This is episode 78. How is sugar impacting my hormones with Lynn Bowman? You guys, this was one of my most favorite episodes to record so far. Lynn has been featured on women's expos throughout the country, teaming with the actress Deidre Hall to write and publish Deidre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up in 2010. And teaming up with her once again to write and publish Deidre Hall's How Does She Do It in 2012. In previous lives, she has won national awards as a creative director for the Silicon Valley companies. She was a creative director at the E&J Galileo Winery, advertising manager at Redkins Laboratory, and freelanced for agencies in San Jose, Los Angeles, and New York. She has also worked as an actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and TV weather person. Lynn has three grown children, two absolutely perfect grandchildren, and is the president of a foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California. Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast, where we choose to become empowered patients and take our health into our own hands. Hi, I'm Shannon Hansen, a Christian entrepreneur, a mom of three, and after dealing with my own health mysteries, I made it my mission to learn everything I could about the thyroid. I soon became certified as a holistic wellness practitioner, a functional nutrition practitioner, and a functional diagnostic practitioner, and so much more. After that, I founded the revolutionary thyroid program, The Hansen Method. As a health professional and a mom, I fully understand the importance of having a fun, simple, and sustainable plan for achieving a responsive thyroid. So I share actionable and practical strategies for developing a responsive thyroid so that the ambitious moms and women can gain freedom from fatigue and lose the thyroid weight once and for all. Each week, I will be here for you. Along with my guest experts, we will be sharing simple and tangible tips that work for not only your thyroid, your hormones, your family, and your mindset so that you can get back to living the life that you envision for yourself. Welcome to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. Welcome, you guys. We have Lynn Bowman with us today, and I'm so excited to be talking to her. Um, She's got a fabulous book out called Brownies for Breakfast, and I'm just really excited to have this conversation with her, and we'll learn more about blood sugar and all of that in today's podcast. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Shannon. I am really tickled to be with you. I love what you're doing. And I really relish the opportunity to talk to your listeners about this. Uh, it's uh, it's a helpful thing to know what to eat, <laughs> right? And what it does to you and how it affects your hormones. Uh, we've We've never known enough about this. And I'm, I'm significantly older than you. I'm uh, 75. And so I love talking to particularly younger women about what medicine was like in the seventies when I had hormones, <laughs> you know, when, I, when, when I was dealing with all that. And, um, it's better now. Thanks to people like you. So I'm glad to be here. We've evolved so much in our understanding with nutrition and for me, I didn't set out when I went to school to become a holistic practitioner, I didn't set out to like learn and to do these things. I simply wanted my thought process, Lynn, (laughs) was, oh, I should learn about nutrition. Yeah, my kids, you know, I cook for my kids every day. So that might be important. And, you know, oh, herbal medicine. Yeah, okay. I should probably learn about that too, since I know my kids are going to get sick. So (laughs) I kind of fell into a lot of what I do. And I think even as I've been doing this over the last, I don't know, six plus years, um, I've learned more. So I'm excited to learn from you about what things were like previously, maybe some old paradigms that people have been taught and stuck in when it comes to medicine um, and hormones and things like that. And then, you know, the direction that you're now going. Yes. And, uh, you know, medicine, where do we start? 
Uh, and like you, I, I didn't set out to do what I do, but that's life. You fall into this and you fall into that and you get up and dust yourself off and grab your kids and do the next thing. Um, and we all have stories about how all that happened. Um, why did you leave this one? Why did you marry that one? Why, you know, how, and, and how did you end up here doing this? Um, and I've had a lifelong interest in food. Um, I'm not even sure why. I mean, because I eat just like we all eat, but I, I think I'm driven largely because my mother died when I was 18 and, uh, she had had a chronic disease, a kidney disease that I didn't even realize at all at the time that so colored my youth. I mean, I, so much of what I did and was and how I was raised was affected by the fact that she was not well. And she managed to stay alive until I was 18. And I think in her mind, it was okay. All right. I, I did what I have to do. And now I have to go. Um, but I was so deeply affected by losing her, understandably, that the rest of my life, I was determined that I was not going to, if I had kids, I would not leave them if I could possibly stay alive, if I could possibly help myself. And, and I, that sounds a little odd, maybe, but, but I was driven by that. And so when I had my children, um, I was 29 when I had my first son, 1975, and I had three kids in pretty quick succession. I had been told, speaking of hormones, um, I had been told that because I had endometriosis as a young woman, I would probably not be able to conceive. I would probably not ever be pregnant. And, and I had a pretty severe endometriosis. Um, so when I found myself pregnant, uh, I was thrilled and, uh, followed in quick succession by two more. Uh, and I'm still thrilled that I have all of them. But, uh, unfortunately, the man I had married, um, turned out to be sort of a textbook case of a story that we've heard too many times. He was a Vietnam vet. He was a Marine. Mm -hmm who came out of the jungle and changed his clothes and became a banker. When I met him, he was in a three-piece suit and he was a banker. But he very quickly unraveled. And so by the time my kids were two, three, and four, I knew that if I were going to survive and my kids were going to survive, I had to run. I had to leave. Mm -hmm. And um, so this conviction that I needed to stay alive and I needed to learn how to stay alive to keep my kids alive just kind of grew. And then uh, when I, when my son uh, was born, I was told that I had had gestational diabetes. And you know what that is. A lot of women may not be familiar with what it is if you haven't been through a pregnancy. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing that when you become pregnant, you develop type 2 diabetes yeah. as part of your hormonal changes. And uh, so I was told that, oh, you're okay now because you've had a baby, but when you're in your 40s, you'll probably develop type 2 diabetes for good. And that is a chronic, um, disabling, deteriorating disease. And so I kept asking as I got closer to 40 and into my 40s, don't you want to, shouldn't I have a test? Don't you want to say, well, no, you're not overweight and you're fine and it's okay. And I finally got someone to give me the hemoglobin A1C test. And uh, I'm sorry for the jargon. If you don't know what that is, I want you to know what it is. We all need to be tested in our 40s. If you haven't been tested, you should be. Uh, the men in your life should be. Uh, it's the test that tells you what your blood glucose is over a period of time, over a period of weeks. It's an average. So it tells you basically what your function is, not just in one day or one hour, but it tells you what's happening with your blood sugar. And in my case, I was over the line. I was up in the kind of uh-oh territory, not bad, but 
you know, clearly there was something going on. And so this book that I've written and that I want you to know about is the book that I wish someone had handed me. I wish someone had been able to say to me, girl, it's okay. You know, it's fine. Look, it's your life is going to actually get better here. Do this. This is what the disease, this is what you need to do. And this is how to do it. You're good. One book, one set of things. It's not terribly complicated. If you put the, the sort of cellular biology aside and just go, okay, what do I do? What do I yeah. eat? How do I act? Uh, because as you've said, your, your blood glucose is kind of one of the basic pillars of your, um, what do you say of your hormones? Uh, hormones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it all, all of our sex hormones, thyroid hormones. Yeah. 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 Builds on off of blood sugar. And I feel like with modern society, we're so fast paced. Our blood sugar all day long is up and down and up and down and all over the place because we're eating cereal for breakfast because we got to run out the door and I'm sure you can get into all of this. So I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> I am on about fire that. about all of it. And it's, yeah. it's particularly it's women your age with kids who are in the middle of this maelstrom because you've got big time careers now. You've got the kids and you still have all the responsibility for the house and the insurance and, you know, everything. And by the way, y'all don't even understand that it's kind of the frog in the hot water thing that the complexity of everything we do has grown to the point where there are some days when I wake up and I go, whatever happened to, I had one phone number, one, yeah. <laughs> right? I had one way that people got in touch with me and they knew if they, that that was that one way. And now how many, how many different ways? And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work. And then you, then people start using, and I mean, you know, every single aspect of what we do, whether it's sourcing our food and feeding our family or making our home or drug, it's all complicated. I mean, extremely stress inducing kind of complicated, but you don't think about it like that because you're just getting up in the morning and trying to do it, just trying to get through your day right and um so yeah and that's and our our chemistry reflects all of that in a very real way but we just expect it to keep working <laughs> you know it's just come on let's go let's go you know we got to do this um so i would encourage everybody uh to give some deep thought to um how all that functions together and, and as i did the research for the book I realized more and more that it is a, a circular thing. It, it's about sleep. It's about food. It's about movement. And there, and some other things, stress. Um, finding out, for example, I don't know how I could have missed this. I, for some reason, it never really got through to me that when we say stress, oh, I'm stressed. I'm really, that's a chemical thing happening to us. That's not just something going on in our head or going on in our heart. That is chemicals that are flooding our body when we are stressed. When you're sitting at that stoplight or sitting in front of your computer waiting for something to happen that you don't know if it's going to happen or not, maybe they'll be on it, maybe they won't. That's a chemical flood going into your body and changing literally everything in your body in some way, yeah. cell by cell, it's affected. So, you know, once you get that straight, um, you, I hope, understand the importance of managing that because our bodies can't stand up to Stress after stress after stress after stress with no relief. You're flooding and flooding and flooding and flooding, no relief. And so when you get serious about your health, as I hope you will, um, and, and again, and my advantage was I found out in my forties that I was in trouble. 
I found out that I had to really start thinking about what I did, even though there wasn't a lot out there and I didn't have this book and my, my physicians. I mean, at the time, what they told you was, um, well, one doctor, I'll quote him. He said, you just need to weigh what you, what you weighed in high school. <laughs> your numbers will go down. Oh, thanks. Um, how many of us weigh <laughs> weighed in high school? Right? Uh, well, it, okay. We have to stop here for just a second because most of us women in high school did not have babies. We did not go through the hormonal changes. Our body composition changed as an adult, as we grew and matured. So going back to this high school weight, in my opinion, is not realistic for us to make that a goal or a target. So we'll just say that. No, (laughs) no. And and for him to throw that at me at the time, you know, I I still want to go back and punch him, frankly. Um, I'll find him one day. He'll be sorry. Um, But but through all this process of different docs, OB docs, you know, and the physician's assistants and all these folks. Um, and I had a hysterectomy when I was 50. Uh, I had extreme fibroids um, and was bleeding, you know, where that thing where you go, I can't I can't get across the room. Yeah. Uh, and and I found out. After the fact, and I hope this is better understood now, after, I could have died. Women yeah. die, bleed to death from fibroids. And yet at the time, the way it was treated was, yeah, you got, you got some fibroids. It's a typical thing that happens, you know. What? Um, so, uh, I, I had a hysterectomy and I like to tell people that it's like, it's not the end of your life. It's fine. Um, it's a, a new beginning, which can be fabulous. I loved having all those organs and doing what I did with all those organs. But you know what? Um, I'm grateful that medicine has allowed some of this old battle axis to, to continue to make trouble. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Um, so here I am at 75, uh, with, you know, kind of a changed internal landscape. Um, and I don't weigh what I weighed in high school, but you know, I'm not far off of it either, which becomes a great deal easier when you're not battling with that flood of hormones all the time. Insulin, which is, you know, you make that in your body and that insulin, uh, actually comes alive and flares up when you take in glucose. Um, insulin, will keep you heavy. It's very, very hard if you have a disease, if you have the kind of um, diabetes where you have to be treated with insulin, where you have to be taking insulin every day, it becomes really difficult to lose weight because the insulin prevents you from losing weight. That's yeah. its job. And yet physicians all these years have been saying, yeah, and I want you to lose another 20 pounds because you're, it's like, wait, Wait, <laughs> and, and what? Um, so we've been getting these mixed messages and, and, um, the stuff that they told me back in the day, how I should eat. Uh, they said, well, you should probably limit your sugar and you should limit your carbs and you should eat more protein and more vegetables. Okay. They never said anything about what kind of carbs. Or that there was a difference. It was no calories a calorie. You yeah. just you keep your calories down and you you limit your carbs and you limit your sugar. And the language was always very couched. It's like, and then you now we realize that there were whole industries saying you can't say that about sugar. You mm-hmm. can't say that about breakfast cereal. You know whatever it is. And so the medical industry, which it was and it is was was kind of soft peddling what these things were and it was assumed that you would have to be medicated the rest of your life and that was what those docs were in business to do they were in business to prescribe the medication to you they were not in business to heal you right 
In fact, they didn't believe you could be healed. They said, this is a progressive disease that you can't change and you can't fix. The best you can do is manage it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm still seeing today with a lot of women. So, I mean, most of the women here that we deal with, obviously thyroid. And I read a study just literally yesterday that said over 30% of thyroid patients who are taking medication can right now be able to get off of it, thyroid medication, where almost, I would say 95% of the women that I work with, they're like, yeah, my doctor told me I could never get off medication. And so it's this fear tactic of, oh my gosh, my thyroid regulates everything in my body. Every cell in my body has thyroid hormone receptors. And now I have to take this medication to manage my body and I can never go off of it, but I don't want to go off, but I, but I don't want to take medication for the rest of my life. And so they, we get in this paradigm of panic, you know, do I take it? Do I not take it? I'm scared to take it, but I don't want the side effects, but I have to, but I need to, but I, you know, and I think with anything, right. Diabetes type one type well, I shouldn't say type one. It's it's <laughs> it's, it is very different. So we have in our family, um, we have both type one and type two. So I'm familiar with, you know, watching my grandma give herself insulin shots and my um, cousin, you know, have a pump and all the things. And um, I'm currently pregnant and I, I opted out of the blood glucose testing that they do at the doctors. Um, and what I chose to do, and obviously with the permission of my physician, was I pricked my finger every day. I did a fasting. I did it after I ate breakfast, after I ate lunch, and after I ate dinner, two hours. And I tracked it for 10 days and I brought it in. Because for me, I chose to do that instead of dumping <laughs> sugar into my body to see what happened. Um you shouldn't even have to do that. A, a hemoglobin A1C test, they can do just with blood. Right. They don't even need you to fast anymore Yeah, to do that. But that's not what traditional, you know. And yeah, anyways, we could probably go into that if you want. Um, well, we could go on and on. <laughs> but but what the, here's the good news. Two kind of side notes. One, part of the, one of the things that, that has become uh, clear to me in my research is that Metformin, which some of you may be taking, metformin is a thing that it, it's glucophage. Metformin is, I guess, a trade name, um, is uh, prescribed frequently to type 2 diabetics. But now people are taking it, whether they're diabetic or not, because they're finding it has longevity benefits. It, ha- it They don't even understand why it works so well. But it seems to be keeping people generally healthier longer. That's subject for another show. Uh, so I do take that. Um, that's the only um, the medication that I take. I do take, and I take a, a very light dose of statin because I'm one of those people that I've done everything that you're supposed to do about cholesterol, and it's still through the roof unless I take a small dose of statin, which. Um, solves the problem. And so, and I've argued and I've fussed and I've read this up, but I'm taking the statin and I'm taking metformin. Um, but the, the, uh, can you hear the dog howling? I don't know. <laughs> That's my- I don't think so. Every once in a while I hear my kids too in the background and I'm like, okay. Hopefully. <laughs> so, I, have, no. I have, I have two, uh, sled dogs and they talk <laughs> every once in a while. They, you, you will hear them singing in the background. Um, so, Shannon, back to women's health and um, hormonal health. And um, it, it, we're still talking about diabetes, I guess. Yeah. I, I am interested in the fact that you have such close association to it and you've seen it and you know what I'm talking about. But the truth of the matter is now that people are reversing type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. It, it can be reversed, not in every case. And particularly someone like me who's been diabetic for decades, it's problematic. There, there aren't a lot of stories about people who at my age reverse it. I would say 
uh, right now, and you'll know what these numbers mean. I just got tested recently, and I'm at seven. Um, my hemoglobin A1C reading is seven. I'm hoping to to creep it lower and lower, and I think I may be able to do that. And it may be slightly more extreme than a lot of people are ready to deal with. But one of the things that has been discovered discovered is a funny word because this is really something ancient. You know, and all remember all the talk about paleo. Yeah, you should be eating like your ancient sisters. Yeah, right. Well, but the thing they don't want to talk about is your ancient ancestors went without meals. They yes. didn't eat all day. They didn't eat every day. And they didn't eat sugar. Oh, they ate none. No, but just just let's assume that if we go back in time and they were eating no processed foods and they were just eating natural foods, they it wasn't possible to eat three meals a day or even two meals a day. They frequently went without food. There is other very well-studied evidence, um, big studies over a long period of time and some famous ones, for example, in the Second World War, when in Norway, the food was so scarce and they didn't have sugar and they didn't have a lot of things. Um, they also didn't have meat. Um, they were, but their rate of diabetes went to nothing. Their heart disease went to nothing. And so that combined with a lot of other research that has been done over the years, what you have to walk away with understanding is one of the most effective ways to change your blood chemistry and your hormonal chemistry and reverse your chronic problem is to not eat for a while. And that's not something people really want to hear. But you know what? It seems to work for a lot of people. And I'm experimenting with that too. Yeah. And I I would love to hear your your thoughts on that. I I literally that just this morning, well, I started it before I recorded started recording podcasts and then I had a little break between. So I finished um this training that I'm doing and they were talking about different metabolic types, right? And certain metabolic types. And I think this is where a lot of let's just say fasting, intermittent fasting gets confused is this person says, I tried it. It worked really well. I had amazing results. My sugar cravings went down. I had more energy. You know, they're they're raving about this. And then this other person over here did the same thing. And they're like, I'm worse. I thought I was going to die, right? (laughs) Yes. I thought I was going to die. My brain fog, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And so I think it's really important for us to recognize and understand too, that it's important for us to, to understand our metabolic type and understand what is going to be beneficial. I personally am a big fan of fasting. Um, I fast for religious reasons. So I fast at least once a month, not while I'm pregnant. I will give, (laughs) you know, in nursing and things like that. It's totally different. different. But there are so many benefits to fasting. And I'll let you speak into some of the benefits of, of fasting for, we'll just say, a majority of the population. I'll put it that way. You know, I am no expert, but I I will point you, anyone who's interested, do some study on it, experiment with it yourself, uh, be kind to yourself, uh, don't get crazy (laughs) with this, you know, but but have some fun thinking about it. I have a keen interest in staying alive for as long as I can, as well as I can. So so I'm a little bit of a geek about all this and and I am my only guinea pig, really. I don't inflict this on anyone else. Um, I mean, except people, obviously, who come to my house to eat know they're going to get no sugar, probably no gluten, um, no meat, and uh, lots of vegetables and, you know, lots of wonderful food. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I uh, there are certain things that I'm willing to inflict on myself just to kind of test it out because I, I'm studying this stuff all the time. In my book, I do recommend, I talk about the fact that Ayurvedic tradition 
has said for many thousands of years that we need to stop eating when the sun dies and you your your uh digestion is on fire in the middle of the day is when your digestive tract is working at its full capacity and so when the day begins to fade you should be done eating because your body has other things that it needs to do and this by the way is now reinforced backed up by a lot of science lots of studies talking about brain and gut and brain health and how there are certain chemical processes that take place in your deep sleep that can only take place in your deep sleep. And so the way you you make room for that is you stop eating in the afternoon, three, four, five o'clock. You're done, finished. Now, every American, at least out there, is saying, how can you even do that? You know, because... I, yeah, you're, <laughs> I don't you're have time for home. that. Yeah, and you're coming home at seven, eight o'clock at night, and you got kids that have been at practice, and nobody's cooked anything, and it's and then you want to just plop in front of the TV, and you want to eat some Doritos and just leave me alone. So it's it is not in our culture, at least anymore, to do this. But um, about tea time, four o'clock, you know, which is part of, of course, British and other cultures, that's your a light meal. That's the end. No more. And what this means is that the night crew. Can it's just like a road crew can come and hose off the streets and shovel and stuff. But if you keep shoveling food in, then the night crew's going, wait a minute, here comes a hamburger. It's 11 o'clock. What are we going to do? They have work to do in your whole body with your hormones, with your brain chemistry. And if you are demanding that it keep working on your digestion, then your energy is going to go to the digestion. And your digestion is going to go, well, yeah, but I don't have to. So that's going to go to fat. Let's just back out, send that to fat and that to fat because we can't do it. So it messes up your ability to metabolize your food properly, to get energy from your food. And it prevents your body from doing those magical, literally magical things that it does to heal itself because it can only heal in deep sleep, which is another thing. When I learned that, I went, wait, how could I be this old and just be learning that? Because, and Shannon, you know this, especially as women, I think, we just think we can stay up all night and feed the baby and do the thing and go back and, you know, son, and you sit in your car and you nap for 20 minutes, and, okay, I'm good, and you keep on going, or you go to medical school and you got to just keep working around the clock and they think, okay, yeah, good for you. You're, you're tough. You're me. Bullshit, you know? It, yeah. Sleep is our gift that allows us to renew ourselves literally, physically, every day. And you can't get the sleep you need if you're eating too much too late. Yeah. So that's important. I want to ask you, so we live in Arizona and like most of the world, the, the nighttime so in summer, we have longer days. And then in winter, we have shorter days. So do you find that we should be, is there a consistent time year round that we need? Or when the sun sets, is that the indication to stop eating? It's all about circadian rhythm. Okay. And I can say that because, as you know, I live out in the country and, and I'm in the woods and um, I can see the sun <laughs> out the window and I can actually put myself outside and I'm, and I have a real relationship with the owls and the jays and the foxes and all that. Uh, so I feel it deeply. It's harder when you're in a metropolitan area and the sirens are going and the cars are going and the lights are on, but it's all about circadian rhythm and not time here to explain all that, but I would, I would encourage anybody to spend some time reading about circadian rhythm and what it means. So it means that what's going on outside, sunset or sunrise, um, affects your body. And yes. you need to respond accordingly and not pretend like it's not happening, even though you have artificial lights and sirens and all this going on. It will affect you whether you want it to or not. And 
by ignoring it, you, you mess up, um, a system just like your hormonal system. Yes. Uh, we might think we can fool mother nature, right? But we can't. Um, so it just depends on, yeah, it, it, what's the height of day today? What is day fading today? What's, and here we are, as you and I talk, the winter solstice is upon us already. And uh, we feel, don't you feel it? I yeah. feel it. My kids, so my kids are about 11, 8, um, and 6 ish. Some of them are getting ready to have birthdays. Um, and they were just telling me this morning, they're like, man, I'm feeling more tired lately. And I'm like, yes, this time of year, you're going to feel more tired. They're like, but you know, so last night they were like seven 30, the sun's down. I was like, Hey, you guys go get ready for bed. They're like, but it's seven 30. I'm like, and you just told me you were tired. <laughs> you need to listen to that cue. And um, anyways, and then this morning, you know, oh, I'm so tired. I'm like, baby, when the ba- when the sun goes down and it starts getting dark, that's the signal for our body to start to make melatonin and to wind the body down so we can go to bed and have, you know, restful sleep. We kind of go into this state of hibernation and... I'm a big person on circadian rhythm as well. And I tell people, um, you know, you can, there's all kinds of charts you can Google and whatever, but there are different things like you were talking about that happen at specific times of the day. And if you're noticing, oh, I can't fall asleep or, you know, I'm having insomnia or I'm waking up at this time in the night, that's your body saying, my, my, my detoxification system is off. Maybe my lungs are off. Maybe my you know, liver is off, maybe, you know, my adrenals, whatever it may be, your body's trying to give you a sign. And oftentimes we don't know because we're not educated or we don't care or we don't know what to do to change it. So. And think about what a new thing a clock is. I mean, when you actually think about how long have we had, I mean, there, there were town clocks in the middle ages but a, a wristwatch or a clock in your home. And, and this, this is a very recent invention, really. And people didn't know what time it was, uh, you know, especially here in the U.S. and the West, right? We didn't have town clocks. Um, we didn't know. And, and we lived accordingly. And most of the humans on Earth didn't know and lived accordingly. And yet now... It's as if the clock was the system. Oh, my phone's sitting right here. My Apple yeah. Watch broke, and I'm like, I don't know what time uh, it is. You know, right. I have right. I have alarms going off to remind me, hey, you have ten minutes before you need to go pick up your kids from school. Yeah. You know, because we run off of time. And I remember, so my dad was military growing up, and it was you better be five minutes early or you're late, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, but we have to rethink some of that because mm-hmm. our big enemies now are stress and ill health. Um, we, something like 80% of Americans have a chronic disease. And most of that, if not, not I can't say entirely all of it, but most of it is based on what you're eating and doing lifestyle. Hate that word. But, um, it, and, and we also have a country in which when you are ill, it also probably means you will be bankrupted. Um, something like 85% of the bankruptcies in this country are health related. And I know I watched it in my own family. You know, there was no way my dad spent everything he had trying to keep my mother alive. And that was how many years ago? 60 years ago. Um, and we're still, it's as bad or worse now. Uh, we, we still are spending all this money on medications and so on. But the end result is that something like 85%, look it up. I don't remember exactly what the number is of bankruptcies in the United States are based on health and the inability to pay for health care. 
and anyone in the audience right now who has dealt with serious disease or disability in their family, you know, it, it, none of us can afford this. It's um, it's heartbreaking and stupid and crazy, and we need to fix it. Because and so one of the ways that you can fix it right now is to start eating better and moving better. Uh, because it will keep you well. It, it, it definitely, it's not just vanity, although I'm, you know, certainly I have been accused of being vain and I will, yep, you're right. <laughs> um, but it, if you will do the things and I've, I've laid it out in the book, I'm not the only one to lay it out in the book, but I think you'll like my book. It's fun and funny. Um, and it's, Highly illustrated. I think it's the only cookbook ever that has a picture of a weasel in it. I'm proud of that. Yes. Um, yeah. And pictures of my dogs in my home and so on. Um, because people actually said to me, some of my early readers said, well, this is all great, but where are you? You know, I, we want to kind of see what you're doing. And so I put some of that in it and I hope you'll enjoy it, but it's all in there about sleep, about movement and about food. And the stuff about food is relatively uncomplicated. I, I spend a couple of pages, I don't know, maybe four pages talking about the sugar replacements that you can get now, which ones are good, best, what they do, what they don't do. Um, this is an entire cookbook with no sugar, no gluten. Oh, no, I, I'll take that back. I have one page that talks about sourdough bread. Um, totally so, different in my opinion. <laughs> well, and... I also say, if you're going to cheat, and everybody cheats, you got to cheat, cheat well, you know, cheat on something worth cheating on. Um, and of course, sourdough bread with walnuts in it, or, you know, oh, hello, you know, it's wonderful. But anyway, it's a simple book that I designed so that an eight-year-old could cook from it, an 85-year-old who's never cooked before, who's crotchety and mean, can cook from it and and understand it um and it's in there and things like and here's one thing that i tell people frequently and i know that they're going to go yeah sure and it's dark greens three times a day two times a day and and everyone goes how do we even do that and i tell you how to do it it's easy it's not hard you can do it. And if you've got a blender and if you have a little, little, um, I just use a little micro food processor on top of my sinks, always out there. You can make brilliant gelato. You can make pies that have high protein, wonderful fiber, everything wonderful in food. And it is high. And if you don't tell the people you're feeding, that there's no sugar and no gluten. They have no idea. They, have they no clue. will have no clue. Yeah. And so you're not giving up really anything except a little of your time and energy. But here's the deal. Either you give up a little time and energy now, or you give up your erectile function or your legs. <laughs> I mean, you know, the downside, if you don't do this, is huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I truly believe in, and this is one of the big mindset shifts that I had when I started to learn about food and nutrition. And I, we'll just put it out there. Everybody's got different opinions. Eat this, don't eat that. This is good. This is bad. At the end of the day, I think it comes down to you and your body. Um, and understanding your body. And I, I want to say, cause when I talked just a minute ago about metabolic typing, sometimes you are living in the wrong metabolic type for who you are, mm -hmm. meaning your body isn't processing food the way that it should. But once you balance out minerals, you increase your body's ability to absorb nutrients and all of these different things, you're going to notice a shift. You're going to notice that, oh, my body, I can now handle whatever it is that I couldn't before. Um, and so this is, again, really important to, as, as we go through life, um, our body is going to shift. And I'll give you guys just a really quick example of a personal example for me. 
I, when I got pregnant this time, um, <laughs> I have never had this happen before, but my body was detoxing from copper and my mineral levels were all off and it was kind of like a whole thing and surprise pregnant. So, <laughs> um, my body was reacting heavily to food. I was having histamine responses. I couldn't eat gluten, dairy, um, raspberries, um, peaches, nectarines. And it was during summer. So all of those things were in season and I would eat them for a snack or a meal or whatever it was. And I would have these adverse reactions to them. I would basically, I was throwing up because I needed to eat food and I was throwing up because I ate food and I was having heart palpitations and I felt drained and tired all the time. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with my body. I went to the doctor. They said, you know, here's some Zofran. You're pregnant. Good luck. You'll figure it out. You know, it'll go away. <laughs> Here I was 26-ish weeks um, pregnant. And I'm like, it hasn't gone away. I'm in my second trimester. I shouldn't be experiencing this. I was really, really frustrated. Um, and when I was researching and figuring these things out, I realized, and I, I kind of knew this, but I put some dots together where I was like, I'm having histamine responses. And I was, I had increased my zinc levels to help with that, with the copper and all these fancy medical things. Um, so I was doing some of the right things, but I wasn't doing enough of those things. So long story short, changed a few things, cut out the food for a little bit of time, you know, changed my minerals, changed my, you know, prenatals and things like that to better match my body. And my body shifted very, very quickly back to being able to eat the raspberries and the peaches and, you know, all of those good, wonderful foods. So to say our body will forever be this way, that's not true. And we need to be mindful of the metabolic. You, you mentioned a couple of things that I think are really important for everybody to understand. And one of them is dairy. Um, I highly, strongly recommend that you don't eat any dairy. And the reason is because you are not able to get untainted dairy today. The only way you're going to, good morning, the only way you're going to be able to get good untainted dairy is if you have a cow out in your yard or a goat or a sheep. Um, but if you are buying it in a package from a store, it is, first of all, the animals were raised with chemicals that aren't right. They aren't eating the right thing and they're taking antibiotics. Rah, rah, rah. Um, so the first thing your pediatrician also, you know, this will tell you if you have a kid with a runny nose, no dairy. And we, there was a time when a lot of us could tolerate dairy, depending on your ethnicity, some better than others. But for your health today and your kids, highly recommend just Stop. No dairy. And of course, people go, wait, cheese? <laughs> no cheese. No. Get vegan replacements, whatever, but no, no cheese, no milk, no, and for God's sake, no ice cream. Um, make it yourself. It's not hard. It's fun. And it is so healthy and good for you. And that, that's a tough one because we so associate treats with sweets. It's like, well, any kid that's good gets an ice cream cone, right? No, no. Uh, you need to fix that because that's what's wrong right there. Because the second thing I'm going to say, okay, first dairy. Second thing, of course, is sugar. No processed sugar in any form. And when you read a label, as you must, you must never eat anything without reading that stupid label. If you really force yourself to read it, and I have a two-page spread in the book about this, um, more than that, actually, but but on the two pages, I have on the right what is in the ingredients, what they have to tell you about a popular donut. 
and you don't want to say, okay. And it yeah. takes a whole page in fine print to tell you what the chemicals are in that donut. And then on the left, I have what's in the donut that's in this recipe right here. And of course, it's like five things. Right. You know what all of those are. So it's dramatic. The difference in the quality of the food that you make with what you know and what you buy in a package. Those are worlds apart. And what you can be absolutely sure is that whatever you buy in a package has sugar in it. Yeah. Read the label. It's not only going to have one kind of sugar, it's going to have like five kinds or three kinds of sugar. Because if they do three different kinds, they don't have to list the sugar first. They can list it second and fifth. Third, and, fourth. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, and sugar, people go, well, yeah, but that, you're, no, no. You want to read the science? You want to know what sugar does to your body? Read about it. I'll tell you some of my book, but just do your own research. Force yourself to really look at what you're putting in your children's bodies and your own body when you are eating refined sugar. And the different, when I say refined, I mean, I'm, I don't, fruit, eat fruit. Yeah. <laughs> eat as well. Whole fruit, whole food, plant-based. Whole fruit is okay, but refined sugar is not. It's literally poison. And refined flours, the flour that you've been eating all your life, that they make pasta out of, cereal out of, is equal on the glycemic index. Okay, raise your hands. Who knows what a glycemic index is? That, that's how we measure the response that your body has to that substance, that sugar, type of sugar, whatever it is. So, for example, Rice and uh, refined wheat flour are right up there with sugar. So every time you eat that bun on that burger, it's like putting your crappy meat burger in a sugar bun. As far as your body is concerned, as far as the chemistry of what happens when you eat that drive through sandwich or, or hamburger, it just, that's the picture I want you to carry with you is it's two sugar patties around a poisonous meat patty. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good, folks. Don't feed it to your kids. Just don't, don't eat it. It's not yeah. good. Well, in, in one of the previous episodes that I recently recorded for the podcast, I talked to a woman about fast food. And we have this idea of fast food being go through, going through a drive through, picking up something super quick. But what's actually fast is an apple, an orange, a banana, you know, a carrot stick, a celery, uh, you know, whatever. We, we do a lot of gardening because Arizona, we have amazing weather year round. So we yeah. can grow a lot of our own things. And. I plant, you know, a huge, large garden bed with sugar snap peas. Let me tell you, they don't even come in the house because my kids eat them before they and get And what about the, the little baby tomatoes, the little sun golds and, and sweet 100s? Yes. You know, they're like candy. But they they're are. great for you. Yeah, you just pick them and eat them. And I, I also, I'm, we're lucky, but in our uh, far back, We've got blackberries growing everywhere. And so not only is it literally the most nutritionally brilliant food you can eat, it is one, if not the one best food you can put in your body. Uh, it's free. Yeah. I didn't even plant them. They grow wild. And I could, you know, you get a little torn up picking them. It's not easy to pick them, but there's nothing better for you to treat yourself with. And it's free and it's got fiber and it's got all these, you know, nutrients and the, the um, uh, antioxidants and everything else. And it's free. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lynn, this has been a fantastic chat. I feel like I want to just keep going with you because we've touched on so many 
amazing things in terms of diet and lifestyle. And, and I know you don't like that word. And I, I, I don't like lifestyle either because I feel like it's thrown around. It's kind of a, yeah, what does it mean? Really? Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. There's, there's not a definition, a good definition <laughs> behind it. Um, but tell everybody where can they find you? Where can they find the book? Um, how can they connect with you? All of, all of that. Okay, great. Thank you. It, the book is Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and people who love them. But if you just, if you, it's on Amazon. And if you just type in Brownies for Breakfast, it'll pop up. Uh, and my name again is Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Bowman, B-O-W-M-A-N. And if you Google me, I'll pop up. Uh, and, um, my middle name is, is actually my official author name. So it's Lynn Parmiter Bowman, P-A-R-M-I-T-E-R. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and I, and on YouTube and, and under that name. And I also have a website, which is maybe the easiest thing to remember. You can always get in touch with me there. There's a form for message. You can send me notes. Um, ask me questions. I love hearing from people who, especially if you've got the book and you're trying stuff and you have questions about it, I'm, I welcome that. So it's lynnbowman.com, L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N.com. Um, please check in with me. And then there's a list you can sign up. It's called Lynn's List. And I am not good yet about sending things often, but then I don't want people bombarded with stuff. But when I get a new recipe that I think, oh my gosh, this is genius. Everybody needs to have this. That's how I send it out on my list. Or when I get information, when I find something out that I think you just really need to know, I will send it out to you if you'll sign up on my list. I'm happy to hear from you. Please let me hear from you. Uh, and, um, you know, that's how I learn. So thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I was looking at all of the pictures from your cookbook on your website and they look amazing. Um, I was thinking this morning, <laughs> I was like, I want a donut. And then I was like, I really don't want a donut. So <laughs> seeing, <laughs> you know, I don't know the last time I've really eaten donuts, but for whatever reason, I woke up thinking that sounded good. Get yourself. Okay. First you need the book and then you need to invest a little bit of money in some donut pans. And the, the new ones that are silicon pans that are kind of bendy are genius. Those are great. But what a great form factor, Shannon. Can you imagine giving your kid a donut with pink icing and sprinkles on it? And they don't know they're getting a great meal. Yeah. So, you know. Well, I grew up with my mom making. So I grew up eating. I did not have any sugar until I was two. And I only got sugar because we went on vacation and my grandma gave it to me. So oh. I grew up not eating <laughs> a lot of sugar. And Bad grandma. I know. <laughs> and if I did have sugar, it was homemade. So the donuts that I grew up with were homemade donuts. Oh. Uh, they weren't sugar-free or, you know, anything like that. But my mom at least made them. I didn't go to, you know, a big box store and get donuts. <laughs> so seeing that these are homemade on your website, I'm just like, oh, maybe, maybe I should. Well, and let me do a little teaser what they're made of. Not all of them, uh, different recipes. But one of my favorite combinations for sweets is pumpkin and nut butter. And what happens is the pumpkin, you don't even, in some of the recipes, yes, I make a pumpkin spice and so on. But if you, you if you combine pumpkin and chocolate, you don't taste pumpkin. You only taste no. the chocolate yeah. and the cinnamon, right? So it's this great secret way that you can, instead of using flour and oil, you use pumpkin and nut butter. So you're getting those great nut oils, the, the good healthy fats, and all of the nutrition of nuts and pumpkin and protein in a donut. That sounds amazing. Right? It's great. I love it. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check out the book myself. And um, I hope you guys will go check out the book as well. Pick it up. Um, Everything will be linked in the show notes for you guys to check out as well. 
Um, I hope you guys take a few minutes to connect with Lynn. So thank you. And let's do this again. I, I hope people will send you questions and maybe we can answer questions next time. It's been really fun, Shannon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you guys on the next. Wait before you go. Please subscribe. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a review and share on Instagram. And please tag us. We love your review.